Hello and welcome to the Green Dragons Know Thine Enemy Dragons. I'm Jeremy and this is going to be the first of a bit of a change to the Know Thine Enemy segment. This is a very popular segment of course, but I can't help but tinker with it. I can't help but play around. I can't help but change things. Now I want to include a little bit more depth in the Know Thine Enemies. So we're not just going to go through the profiles and just going to go through tactics. We're going to talk a little bit about the background of the model. So I'll talk about the background for dragons, then go through the profile and... Uh, some tactics about playing with the dragon and playing against the dragon. Then I'm going to go for the scenarios which feature the model. So in this case, the dragon. So we'll talk a little bit about those. And finally, I'm going to suggest some army lists with the model and what its role in those army lists is. So it gives me a little bit more opportunity to talk about it. Uh, I would have liked to have some others on as well, but I can't have that at the moment. So... It should be an interesting episode. It's one that we've been asked for a long time to do, and I was a little bit surprised we haven't done the dragon episode. So here it is. Without further ado, know that enemy, dragons. If you know anything about Middle-earth or fantasy of any kind, you probably know what a dragon is. It's one of those creatures that just turns up in every everything. A big fire-breathing monster flies around. Sometimes it doesn't fly, and it, it's tough. It's a big monster. In, in Tolkien's world, they were introduced in the Hobbit book. So we've got a dragon, Smaug, who looks after gold and is very much a typical kid's dragon. There are four dragons in Middle-earth that would go by a name. So first of all, we've got Glaurung, who's the father of dragons. And this was in the Silmarillion, which most of our dragons were actually. Uh, he had four legs and could breathe fire, but didn't have wings. So he's a fire drake. So that's interesting to do. So we don't, we've got breathe fire, uh, didn't have wings. And Caligon the Black was the mightiest of the winged dragons. And he was slain by Arindel. So this is a, a massive dragon. Usually people have decided that this is a huge dragon. And it's a winged dragon. We've got Scartha, the, uh, we believe it's a cold drake, described as a long worm, but we're not quite sure what this means. And he was uh, slain by Fram of the Aethid. And then finally, we've got Smaug, the last great dragon. Now, that opens up for a little bit of what we're talking about today. The last great dragon means that maybe there were some not-so-great dragons afterwards, and that's actually the profile we're dealing with today. We're dealing with a profile that's not as good as Smaug, so I'm going to assume it's it's... Not a great dragon, just a normal dragon. And that's what it's called, a dragon. Tolkien also mentions two more dragons, uh, or twice. In the Adventures of Tom Bombadil, there's a dragon with red eyes, black wings, and teeth like knives. And there's also, in the Fall of Gondolin, there's a fire drake called the Beast of Gondolin. Also talks about in Gondolin, there's many dragons, essentially. Many and terrible dragons. And there's a few other times when we get dragons as a plural. So... There's definitely more than those dragons in Middle-earth. 
how many there are in the third age, at the end of the third age, after Smaugus Lane, we don't actually know. But because we're playing a game and a bit of a what-if, we might as well put them in. This dragon profile I don't think is great for something like Caligon the Black, because he was a mighty wing dragon. That Smaug profile would probably be way better for him. Ironically, it works for Glowering in that it was uh, winged and could breathe fire, but I don't know if it's strong enough at this point. So I think hopefully, the, well, hopefully sometime in the future, we'll get Silmarillion-type dragons as well, and they'll be more on Smaug's level. So that's a little bit about dragons. Now on to the profile. The profile for dragons lives in the Mordor and the Morian Aglamar book, so it's in both of them. Straight away, it's a dragon with type monster. It doesn't have the little independent character, so it can be your leader and can lead a warband, which is quite flexible in that it's in both lists. So you can you can lead quite a few troops with it. It's got a move of 6, a fight of 7 with a 2 plus shoot value, strength of 7, defense of 7, 4 attacks, 7 wounds, courage 4, and 3 might, will, and fate. 3 of each. Really good profile so far. Only obvious weakness there is the Courage of 4. It's not a weakness as such, but it's not amazing either. So it's about slightly, slightly above average coverage. But you're talking about a big expensive monster. It's 250 points base. Now the specials are really where the dragon takes off. We've got the Resistant to Magic and Terror. So Resistant to Magic means that when you're out of will, you can use a single die to resist magic powers, which is always useful. It means you're not going to survive a really sustained attack, but if there's one wraith or one wizard or something casting spells at you, you might be able to, to block a few of them. Terror is always fantastic, especially when it's coupled with Harbinger of Evil, which means all the good models, or all the models you're facing if it's a points match game, within 12 inches of a dragon have a 1 minus penalty to their courage. So this is really good. It's not cumulative with uh, the Mori Goblin Drum or other similar penalties, so you can't just throw a drum in the warband and have two minus penalties to the Courage. It's got a Draconic Charge. So if the dragon charges into combat, it will knock enemy models to the ground in the same way as a monstrous mount if it wins the fight. So if it charges, it knocks them to the ground, so doubling the attacks, meaning that if you charge in, you're pretty much going to kill something you win a combat against. With the Strength of 7, probably. Probably going to do the wounds. You've got a, a negative special rule. Each time the dragon is wounded, it must take a courage test. If the test is failed, he flees. The model is removed and counts as a casualty. It can be devastating. You take one wound with your base defense of seven, so a, a lucky shot from a Merkled Ranger or something else, and your dragon runs away. You've got a courage of four with three will to start with, So, and with three might, you're not going to fail your first courage test if you have full stats, but you're going to use up a lot of resources. Seven wounds... But every time you can pass a courage test, you might be losing the dragon on less wounds than that. So it's up to seven wounds, essentially. And then you can pick up to two of the following options for 50 points each. I think the designers just sort of gave up on trying to balance them exactly right and just said 50 each. And it's ballpark figure. It's close enough. We've got Breathe Fire, which is pretty deadly. Each time the dragon breathes fire, it expends a point of will. So you can do it up to three times. Treat the dragon's fiery breath as a bow with a range of 12 inches. So that means you have to do half speed to move it at shoot at 3 plus or not move at all to shoot at 2 plus. And then if the shot hits the target at any model, any model at all, within 2 inches, so you can potentially hit quite a few models, suffers a strength 10 hit. Fate rolls may be taken as normal. Any model that suffers a wound caused by a dragon's breath is automatically slain. Against normal models, pretty good. 
against monsters. Amazing. If you want to go hunt Ents, this is pretty much a guaranteed way to take them out. Uh, eagles, Ents are fantastic targets of breathe fire. Big blocks of troops, things like uh, Vault Wardens or something like that that are putting together. You can do some real damage with breathe fire. The, the main negative I have with it is that it takes your will, which is also what you're using to survive with the wounds. So you, you've got to make up your mind what you can do with it. And you can only do it up to three times, so you better hope you roll... A2+, plus. I guess you might even spend your might on it to, to get it in there. And then it can be a bit of a might sink as well. If you if It's still only threes to wound anything, basically, or maybe fours. So you've got to weigh that up a bit. The fly, which is my favorite upgrade. The dragon has expansive and powerful wings. It can fly 12 inches, as described in the main rules manual. So it's got a nice big base, so you have to get pretty close to jump over enemy lines. But 12-inch movement is fantastic. So much better than the 6-inch movement. Wormtongue, another one that I like, is a dragon with this ability can cast spells using one die re without reducing his will store. So straight away you get away from the, the will problem. The controlling player can choose any number of dice. So you can add, basically I won't read all that, you can add points of will to it like you would cast normal magic powers. You get Transfix, Compel, Sap Will. Transfix is on a 3+, plus and that's probably your go-to. Compel is really useful on a 4+, plus, drag someone towards you, charge them, and then Sap Will on a 4+. plus. I kind of like the Compel because... 4+, plus, you've got a range of 12 inches, you can basically move half your movement, compel someone forward, and then jump in and charge them, as long as they didn't cause terror, so you have to ch take the terror test at the start of the turn. The, that could be a really powerful surprise for, for getting the dragon combat, and once it's in combat, it's safe from most missile fire, and you can start doing all kinds of things as it's a monster. You can start barging, you can start hurling, you can start heroic combating, you can do all kinds of things. And then tough hide... This is pretty good, especially if you're worried against shooting ones. So you, it's wounds and defense are 9 rather than 7. Wounds I'm not so worried about, but defense going up to 9 is pretty good. Unfortunately, now because it's so easy to up your strength with piercing and things like that, it's not as good as it used to be. Once once people get up to strength 5, it's pretty much irrelevant. So yeah, I, I it's not my favorite upgrade, but I can see the use for it and... If you expect it to be a bit of a pincushion dragon, so lots of people shooting strength 3 or strength 2 weapons at it, it's definitely worth taking. It's, a, it's unfortunate you can only take two of them. Of course, if you're taking Smaug, which we're not really focused on, you basically get them all. So that, that's one way to do it. So David's got a little bit of tactical advice he's provided for this episode to talk about the dragon. So I'm going to start with that, and then I'm going to go into my own thoughts as well, or interject my thoughts as I see fit. So David's first story was, it was mid-club day in Murray and he needed to finish a fast game to fill in some time while we waited for the others to finish the games. So he used to have lots of people playing at the same time and then would swap opponents once everyone finished their game. So David and Murray had to finish off their game with a little quick one. To keep things fast, they went for a low model count hero force. So all heroes, uh, like the Elf King and White Wizard, against a dragon. David deployed and then Murray placed down his dragon with Fly. This is before Brutal Power Attacks, and it was 300 points, so that's the only upgrade, or Heroic Strikes. And then David proceeded to kill the dragon. So he probably had enough spells or powers to do that. Then they played again. Murray traded out the, the fly for Tough and Hide, and then David still killed the dragon. They had still, still had some time, so they tried out the Breathe Fire, and then David said he was destroyed utterly. In this case, the ability to delete low-fate heroes at range was far more useful than anything else. So... David must have had some low-fate heroes, maybe some captains or something else. And then the Breathe Fire was the way to go against those. And that's probably the same now where 
the ability to strike up. I guess the dragon can strike up as well, but you need something to threaten those at range, uh, especially for if you have a spell cast or something else. His second story was a Heroes and Monsters tournament. He had the two named spiders, so Spider Queen and Shilob, and a selection of Barrow Whites. The dragon had fl- Worm Tongue and Fly, so that's my favorite combination. The dragon player made the mistake of coming within 12 inches of my magic. That definitely wasn't me. I wouldn't do that. And then he killed the dragon. In this case, the opponent was using the dragon as a direct combat piece, in which the usefulness of Worm Tongue was greatly reduced, and the fly just allowed the dragon to enter my trap earlier. Well, that's, I think, down to tactics, David. I don't think that's necessarily there. The, the fly could mean he could move away quicker. But you're right, the the magic is not as useful in combat. In this case, Brief Fire of Tough and Hard would have been far more useful, either to burn out my cluster magic users from range, or simply soak up more damage in a direct combat approach. Now, I'm concerned about this one as well, David. Like, you talk about Brief Fire, you've got 12 inches of your magic. Brief Fire is only 12 inches, so you're going to get 12 inches anyway. Maybe you stay away from the magic users and get in range of the other guys, but I can see that being useful. Tough and hide in the time probably would have been, but I don't think tough and hide is as useful now either. So I think that's that's a lot down to players. I wouldn't judge the abilities just on that game alone. But then, story three. Uh, one of our big tournaments, Masters of proper, or possibly Ark, David says. He had a Goblin Horde with a K-Drake against a Goblin Horde with a Flying Dragon. Breathe, a Fire-Breathing Dragon, sorry. Flying fire-breathing dragon in a domination equivalent at the time. Dragon took out the cave drake. Uh, David's goblins flooded the objective while his dragon ate one or two goblins a turn. So he's being the opponent. David had enough goblins to deploy a flying monster guard while outnumbering his goblins. Now what this means is that David had enough models to basically clog up the areas where the dragon could land to stop it jumping over the lines. So one way to counter a flying dragon is to put a lot of models with the space between them less than the actual size of a dragon's base. And oftentimes it's just a few guys at the back of your army just scattered around. This is very effective, and this is what David did. In this case, the the fly was useless, and the positioning of goblins and objectives restricted the number of favorable landing sites. An extra 50 points of goblins would be far more useful. So David said fly was wasted as well. So he's almost got three examples where he doesn't like fly. His recap is, Breathe Fire is utterly terrifying. Beware. That's good. It's actually a good um, way to counter my argument because when I take a dragon, first upgrade I take is fly and then I think of what what I want to do. So I I usually don't go home without it. I can see why. If you're going to do the basically a a block-up space dragon or a herding dragon, so you you move it six inches and you push your opponent where you want it to go and you you don't get out of range of the rest of your army. I can see where you don't need fly or if you're playing a scenario like start in the middle, stay in the middle type equivalent where you deploy where you want to be, you don't have to go anywhere. Fly might be a bit of a waste. But I really like fly in that your threat range is huge. You could go basically anywhere and it means that the opponent has to do that deployment as well. Even if you... you even if you, you have fly and don't use it, they still have to guard their back. So they're putting models behind their lines. They're, they're safeguarding their banners and possibly wasting models that way. So I like fly anyway, David. I don't mind it. But I can see where you wouldn't take it if you have a specific role in mind. The other ones, I like Worm Tongue in that it's good for the long game. You can support your army with it. You can do lots of things. You can drain some will. But I can also see the Breathe Fire as well. My issue with the Breathe Fire is that it stops your movement. 
So it becomes a little bit predictable about what's happening. And as an opponent, I'm not too worried about... Uh, well, no, I am worried about it, to be honest, because it's going to go at a hero. But you can set up deployments. You put your models so they're a bit scattered away. You put your heroes behind a wall or with an elven cloak or something that they can't be seen. And then you're you're okay in that way. It, it's good. The breathe fire is really good. It's not my favorite in that my... When I play a dragon, I'm not usually playing a stand back and shoot army. But it's really good for that. If you take it with a fly, you can still move the six inches. But do you really want to take it on the three plus instead of the two plus? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that you do. It depends on the size of the game, really, I guess. So, Breathe Fire is, is is really good. Don't don't get me wrong. The damage potential is huge. You could take out something like a Mulmac in one turn. So, you've got the potential to absolutely dominate the game. But, it's not, it's not a guarantee. It's a great way to take out things like Shades as well, though. So, you weigh that up. The Worm Tongue, I think, is a bit more consistent. But, it's not as spectacular. And, you're going against the enemy's will. So, you've got you've got to weigh that up quite a bit. And the Tough and Hide, I consider that more of a defense against missile weapons than anything else. I feel like in combat, if you're going to take wounds, you're going to take wounds. So, you don't, you, not much you can do about that. The best way you can, can stop it is to win combat. So, the normal things, get a spear support in, get a banner behind you, make sure you've got the higher fight. You do that either with your magic powers or with a strike or with another hero or whatever. So, if you're going to do the stand back, I can actually see the value of the, the Tough Hide fire dragon if you're going to stay back you're going to let the enemy come at you that's a fair combination it wouldn't be my favorite way of playing i think it's a bit bit too passive and i think there's there's ways the enemy can bait out your breathe fire but i guess they have to face three of them as well so it's it is a really tough choice to choose your two upgrades or do you just go one upgrade do you just go for a tough hide and put it on the flank do you just go for a fly do you just go for the breathe fire or the worm tongue you probably at that point wouldn't go just the worm tongue. I think I could see you just taking tough hide if you had the role as basically a big cave drake. I can definitely see you taking just fly on its own. The breathe fire, I guess if you're going breathe fire, you probably don't care. So yeah, you could take that on its own. Really up to you. Really up to you. There, There is choices for all of them. My favorite combination is the fly worm tongue. But I can see the arguments of the fly breathe fire. I just, I, I keep my dragon moving. My dragon's hopping 12 inches the whole time. Jump, jump, jump. It's casting a spell every turn, and it can cast a spell while it moves 12 inches, and it's scaring the opponent. It's got that massive threat range, 12 inches on either side. And then if I get in combat with something with a with a compel, I jump in, I jump within range, I pull something towards me, I can pull a heroic combat off, I can jump from one side of the board to the other in one turn. And that's how I like to play the dragon. Really like this deadly attack helicopter type model. When you're playing against a dragon, you either want to kill it, as soon as you can and now you've got tools for it so baiting it forward striking up using magic powers uh, lots of small arms there's there's a few ways to, to kill it or just minimize its damage the problem with minimizing damage for a dragon is that it's a monster so if you're really going to minimize damage you're probably looking at a non-shield wall type formation so maybe a, like a, a horseshoe semicircle with space between the models that reduces any hurl you're protecting your heroes so they're going in when they want to kill. They're not going against a dragon one-on-one. So they've got a little bit of almost bubble wrap around them. You don't want to put it, if it's against a breathe fire, within two inches. Because then the hero will explode and take all the models out with them. So you just spread the, spread the models that are defending it two and a half inches away or something like that. It's it, 
it's a big model. The other way you can go about it is just kill its army because it's it's 250 to 350 points. In most games, that reduces the size of the army quite a bit. So it might just be that you try and break the force as soon as possible and get it to start taking courage tests to, to run off the game or end the game. That's definitely an option. It's a good option. But if it's with a Goblin Horde or something like that, that might be a bit tricky. If it's with an elite army, it's definitely an option. So you could definitely throw your heroes out, try and kill the troops as soon as possible, and then see what it does. It is tough to play against. It's a really tough model. Now that Heroic Strikes around, it's not as tough as it used to be, because even a basic true uh, hero can go in with a squad of friends and have a good go at it. Uh, when it was Fight 7 and, and it was on its own, it used to be almost unbeatable. You're waiting for it to botch combats, and with four attacks and possibly a banner around, it doesn't happen too often. It does happen, but not too often. In the Khazad-Doom book, so this is a one of the source books that was released in 2007 by Adam Troke. Oh, he's still around. You've got two scenarios with the dragons. The first one is called Durin's Tower. And in this one, you've got a single dragon taking on a bunch of the older dwarves. So you've got Thror, who's a dwarf captain with shield, three vault warden teams, 12 dwarf rangers, six iron guard, 12 dwarf warriors, and a dwarf warrior with banner. So a very easy to obtain dwarf force, nothing too out of the whack. If you've got, if you've got a dwarf force, you've probably got those models. If you don't have a dwarf force, they're obtainable. And then you've got uh, Gathamire, a dragon with brief fire, and fly. So brief fire and fly, that's a good combination for for killing models. It's a, it's the double threat. It means you can stand still and shoot, or you can fly around. And the dragon's job is to clear the tower. So you've got this weird-shaped board. It's basically a circle-shaped board with a tower on top, and the dwarves all enter the, through a stair in the middle. The dragon has to clear the tower at some point. So dwarves come slowly. You've got to pick them off. So you need to look at ways you can take on the models. This was before you could do things like barging and, and hurling. So the, the scenario is probably easy for the dragon now. And with only one captain to strike up, you're probably pretty safe, especially if you manage to get a brief fire off at him. So this is one that I think would be easier for the dragon at the moment. You can definitely play the old rules and say no heroic, uh, so no monster strikes. And it could be still fun. So that, that's worth having a go at the Durin's Tower. And then there's another one with totally different participants called The Raising of High Water. And this one I've played quite a bit. You've got a domination equivalent with houses and a bridge as the objectives. And the dragon's got an army with him. So the dragon's got Fly and Wormtongue, which is the, my favorite combination. You have a Moria Goblin Captain, a Warg Chieftain, six Wild Wargs, and 18 Goblins. So pretty pretty basic force. The enemy, the, the help is not great. It's... Even the Wild Chieftain is not a fantastic hero, but your dragon's really good. Then you're going against dwarves again, because it's Khazad Doom. A dwarf king with two-handed weapon, a dwarf captain with shield, Murin and Dra. So four heroes. This suddenly now, with the new rules, the striking's a bit of a problem. Three Khazad Guard, 21 dwarf warriors. Uh, one of them's got a banner. And a dwarf ballista. So you probably don't want to hang around and stay back. Your dragon goes on assassination runs and tries to pull out and kill heroes in this one. And you've got a control objective, so you're basically walking around using your dragon as an attack force. And this is a good fun one, and it, it's probably still playable now as well. I'm not sure if you need to to change up the, the, the strikes, because it might be that with the amount of might on the good side that they balance each other out as well. So definitely worth playing. It looks really nice as well. It's on a nice board with a, a ford and a bridge and uh, some taverns and things. So worth playing that scenario as well. They're both in the Khazad Doom book.
Now onto army lists. So I've made a few different army lists to, to try out the dragon with at different points level. My warning here is that I haven't actually tried out these army lists, but I've got a pretty good idea how they would work and how they would go. My first one is a 500 point list. So this is going to be tough with a dragon that costs at least 250 points. It's at least half your points. I've decided that if you're going to go something that expensive at 500 points, you might as well go all in and make sure it's really valuable. So I've gone for a dragon with fly and breathe fire. Basically on the advice of David a little bit, I've got the, the breathe fire. At 500 points, I probably only need three breathe fires to do some serious damage, and I'm going to target heroes or anything that can kill me, or maybe like a monster or something like that, a troll, which can kill me as well. And fly means that I can get the dragon anywhere I like. So it's it's the jack-of-all-trades dragon. I didn't get the worm tongue, so I don't get any compels. So to mitigate that a little bit, I've gone for two specters. The specters, are, their job is to basically break up the enemy force, go grab objectives, and try and give me some places to jump around with the dragon. Because the dragon likes to be in combat. If it's not breathing fire, it wants to be in combat, doing barging, doing heroic combats, killing models, anything like hurling models. It can do lots of things. So two specters are going to help me. They're going to team up with the Harbinger of Evil as well. So I get value out of that and then see what happens. I've also gone for six Morgul Knights. So that's that's my whole army. That's my nine units in total. The six Morgul Knights once again team up with the Harbinger of Evil because they've got Terror. They can go capture objectives. They can charge in. They can break off models if I'm going to go as a, a battle line. They, they're fast. So they can keep up with the dragon. Well, almost. And... They're, they're pretty good models, the Lance, the, the Heavy Armor, they're, they're, they're you know, not just pretty good, they're really good. The Morgul Knights are good models, they're powerful. And the, the plastic models are actually not too bad, I like the plastics, I don't like the, the foot models. But that's not too bad. What I could do as an option, if I was worried about my will, because I'm using my will for Breathe Fire, and I'm worried about Courage Tests, I could drop it down to five Morgul Knights, and give one of them a Warhorn. So that's still at 500 points. The Warhorn itself is 20 points. I personally wouldn't. I think I think one more model is good. In terms of the breakpoint, sometimes you want to manipulate the breakpoint. Nine models means that you, you split that in half. That goes to five, and then you've got to kill one more. You've got to kill six models to break it. If you drop it down to eight models, 50% is four models plus one, five models instead of six. I don't think it helps you in terms of keeping models alive. Sometimes you've got that part where they have to kill one of your big things. At this point, both times they don't have to kill the dragon. So I would avoid the horn in that I think one more knight is going to be helpful. It means that you can you can do more things in your army. Either way, the dragon is doing everything. But you're probably... You, well, you're against a max of about 40 models, really. But most of the time you're against two warbands with two heroes. So... Your dragon should be able to take on that. If it can't take on two heroes with a brief fire and its ability for combats, heroic combats and things, you, you're probably in a bit of trouble and you need some practice with it. The second list is a Moria Goblin list, a pretty typical Moria Goblin list with lots of goblins and then a big dragon. This time I've gone for the dragon with breathe fire and tough hide. So this is your very slow moving dragon, doesn't mind standing still. I don't want it to get too far away from the goblins in this case, so it's basically going to sit on a flank and try and try and close the board so that the goblins end up pushing the models into a corner if it's a shooting army or surrounding it. So I, once it gets into combat, I'm relying on things like the barge to, and the, the, the hurl. Hurl's really good in this because there's so many goblins. If you hurl down the lines, knock down the front rank, there's, there's trouble. 
So Dragon would breathe fire and tough and hide. Then I've gone for Durbus the Goblin King, which is just solid, leading a warband of Gundabad Black Shields. So 12 Black Shields, four of them have Spear. Then I've got two two additional warbands. So the Moria Goblin Captain with Shield, with six Moria Goblin Warriors with Shield and six with Spear. So a pretty standard Moria Goblin warband. And then a Shooting Warband as well to, to back up the Breathe Fire. So I've got a Moria Goblin Captain with Orc Bow, and then 10 Moria Goblin Warriors with Orc Bow. So this is very much a, a bait them forward type list with goblins and then hope they come at you and, and surround them, jump around. At 700 points at, and 38 models, it's a good amount of models. It's not a massive amount of models, but Moria Goblins are actually pretty tough. And I've got the dragon. And my finalist is one that I'm really excited about. It's a thousand points of Easterlings, a black dragon cult essentially with a dragon, probably a black dragon as well. So the dragon in this list, I've taken from Mordor, it doesn't matter where it's from. It's going to have a fly and worm tongue. So it's the magic user, it's the magic support, it's got fly. The magic support is mainly because this dragon's going to be moving the whole time. This army's going to be fast. So the dragon's moving at full speed, it's compelling models forward, and it's getting this army into combat. The interesting part of this army is there's no shooting whatsoever. I haven't even bothered with the shooting. I don't don't want it in this army. Basically, this army is going to get into combat as soon as possible, and it's going to rely on its heroes, including the dragon, to do some serious damage. The first warband of Easterlings in it is Amdur, the Lord of Blades of an Armored Horse. The main thing is he's a, a pretty decent hero with the banner ability, which is really good. He's leading one Easterling cataphract with the, dr- the drum. So it's a standard Easterling cataphract, but it's got the war drum, which means that we can add extra movement to everyone. So basically, this army deploys in a little clump, and then the drum makes it go fast. I can even march with another one of the captains or something as well and get extra movement on top of it and really, really power forward. So it's not a slow army at all. With him as well, it's three Easterling cataphracts and three black dragon cataphracts. So I assume you're going to do some conversion on that. Uh, give him a different helmet, give him a head, give them a back banner, whatever. So a bit of a cavalry warband is going to hit pretty hard. Then Warband 2 is an Eastling Captain of Armoured Horse and Eastling Halberd. So this can be a two-handed weapon. It can be, it's basically an Elven Blade. So if you've got the fight advantage, you're going to win the combats. That's really good if you're teamed up with the Dragon, for instance. So the Dragon's got Fight 7. If you're going up against the Fight 7 Elf, and there's quite a few around, suddenly you've got the Elven Blade ability as well. So that helps you out. You've got five Eastling Warriors of Shield, three Eastling Warriors of Shield and Pike, an Eastling Warrior of Shield, Pike and Banner, and then a Black Dragon Warrior with Shield and Pike, just to be a bit sneaky, give them the Black Dragon presence and give them a Fight 4 model support somewhere where I want to be. Warband 3 is another Eastling Captain with Armored Horse and Shield. Uh, have got five Eastling Warriors of Shield, five Eastling Warriors of Shield and Pike, and two Black Dragon Warriors of Shield and Pike, for the same reason as before, just to keep the cult going and to, to support. And then my final warband is an Easterling Dragon Knight on Armored Horse on its own. Once again, Dragon Cult. And I really like this model. The, the way it attacks is pretty decent. And then if it has to jump on foot, it's still pretty good as well. So altogether, 32 models. Pretty low for 1,000 points, but they're powerful. And they're going to be in combat pretty quickly. So they're pretty much going to mitigate shooting. Notice how I've got no none of the, the Easterling War Priest. I don't really like the model. I think it's the Fury is okay, but... I find that's not really necessary, and I really like the extra captain for the might and, and for the combat ability. So at the moment, I'm going for a dragon and, and four mounted combat models, which is pretty nasty, as well as the, the seven 
cataphract equivalents that can have pikes behind them. It's going to hit pretty hard, this army. It's going to be pretty fast. It's going to be pretty scary. You can even do some clever things with by holding the drum back and getting the all the pike guys to march around the sides and then jump in support combats. And, and that's going to be particularly good for a dragon doing something, jumping over the lines, and then there's some pikemen there to, to support him as well. can be a really potentially quite a nasty list. A little bit on the low side in terms of models, so it can be taken out, but this is how I like to play Easterlings. Rely entirely on the heroes and have the Easterlings backing up. At worst, they can sit there and shield and just block up space while the heroes do all your work. So that brings me to the end of the, the Know Thine Enemy Dragon episode. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope it had some good resources. The dragon, the model that I use for the dragon is the Forge Lord Carmine Dragon. I don't actually really like the Lord of the Rings Dragon that much. It's a little bit puny and, and not too inspiring. It looks okay if you, don't, uh, if you don't paint it just in red. So if you paint it with, say, the wing membranes and the underscales as a different color, it looks, looks okay. But uh, it's, it's not my favorite model. So I use a different one, and it's it's good fun to use. So try out a dragon if you haven't already done so, and we'll see you next time. Remember, traps win games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on the Green Dragon Podcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.